0: Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenant, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. It is not complimentary when somebody refers to somebody else, even possibly you, as a (laughs) yes person. I would say yes man, but in today's world... That might be a bit offensive, a yes person. But at the same time, (laughs) you probably would not receive any compliment for being a no person. Uh, Nay, nay, not me, no. Certainly to some extent a degree of disobedience goes with that. I think even so biblically then, speaking of disobedience, even so biblically then, We would want to be obedient, which might be the yes, yay, obedience, nay, disobedience. I would love it, especially when it comes to the Bible. If I could be a yes man, it's okay because I'm a man. I could say it about me. If it came to God's Word, and to the extent or degree that God's Word should give me some sort of a guidance or direction or rule or rule book as to what God wants me to do, I would want to be a yes man, a yes person. Yes, God. Yes, God. Uh, as much as, again, prayer, this kind of cometh up, but by much prayer, the yes and fasting, the no, I'm going to read a passage from James. And uh, it would be chapter 5. And it would be verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Now, the significance of that verse... um, thesis time. Uh, Really, in light of the lead-in, that's really not all that profound. Do what God tells you to do, and you won't be condemned, and don't do what he tells you not to do, and you won't be condemned. But that generally isn't the problem. (laughs) The problem is trying to figure out uh, for ourselves or in ourselves whether we're willing to do that. Uh, It is a matter of will. and I believe James speaks to that. That when you get into self-will and you do things out of yourself. Again, but above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath. You start to want to do things your way. And maybe that's the primary yay or nay you're not going to do it God's way. And should you even (laughs) try to justify it, which is once again one of those things that we as humans are notorious to do, we may know the truth just like Balaam. (laughs) But in the end, oh God, you didn't really say that I couldn't do it. You just said I couldn't do it this way. Or maybe God, you really meant that if I did it this way, then you'd allow me. Or maybe there is a permissible will. I mean, we've all heard that too. And and I don't doubt that as we are notorious for that. It's not a, a virtuous thing and God sort of paradigm or mind of God sort of way. But God did create us and so he knows about that. <laughs> as he, he gave us Probably the greatest of all capacities or capabilities, as well as, with that, the greatest of all endowments. Uh, If there is a virtue, it would not be that there wouldn't be just the yay to do what, what God wants us to do, or the nay, what he doesn't want us to do, don't do. But he's given us choice, Maybe that's what separates us from the animals. I'm not sure animals, other animals, I'm not sure animals in general have that degree of capability, Uh, suppose, possibly then, that the reason we have choice, and even so the reason we might have deliberation, which then might cause us some difficulty in uh, Doing what God wants to do, us to do, or even discerning that in some way, the the notion of it is though we have that possibly because there are a lot of complexities to life, and believing <laughs> that the more choice you might have, the better you might be able to do it. There are such things as details, <laughs> and and, and uh, they say the devils are the details, but. Maybe in this way, he is. But I think the details, though, can be important. Maybe it's only in a material sort of way. Maybe it's only as important as we would see it to be. But when you get to that life or death sort of dimension, which the Bible is all about, life, eternal life, life in Jesus, and death, the (laughs) life, yes, death, the nay we've got a lot of details to run through on the in-between. And not that all those details would be as important to God as us, but adaptively speaking, sometimes life is measured in moments or inches. (laughs) So the details can be important. You near misses. That two is from James. It's verses five through seven. So it is, or actually eight. It isn't that God doesn't understand the human operation He created it, created us. It isn't that the details can't be important, because they can, inches and moments. It isn't that it should, however, be so complicated or we would then somehow in the complications find some measure or room to be as, again, once more, Balaam and try to (laughs) use that as with then choice, the liberty that God gives us, and liberty is choice. That we wouldn't then try to somehow justify not doing self-righteousness or pretend like we might know better than God what is right. And knowing all along at the deepest of levels should be willing to confess it, we're very selfish and self-centered. And that motive is good for survival, possibly in material dimensions, but it is not the godly nature if we then extend that to eternal and spiritual dimensions, because though there is a time and a season, and we are given choice so that we might find life in it, we can't allow, though, the preservation of life in that selfish dimension in a material regard to therein contaminate the overall eternal aspects, the spiritual aspects. Of, well, it matters, but it really doesn't matter. It matters while you're in material context, carnality, in physical dimension. But it really doesn't when you begin to see it from the eternal and spiritual. And that in and of itself is where, again, a lot of the confounding comes from. Because really... It all happens at once. You are both a material being as well as you are a spiritual being. There is an enmity between the two. There just is priority. <laughs> what is the priority? To not do it out of yourself. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Based on what God would tell you to do. But you're not going to really understand what God's going to tell you or what God wants you to do. He's already told you. The word's there. You're not going to understand the word. Maybe the specific nuance as he would be speaking specifically, individually, through the Holy Spirit to you. Except that you would always make that choice. Let your yes be yes, your nay be nay. Yes toward listening listening. To God, first written word, but then also living word, Holy Spirit word, as would then proceed from within you. But to be double-minded is to really not do that well. To be double-minded is not to then seek God's wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. There is no lack of wisdom, but wisdom may actually be or come down to this one simple choice, that your yea be yea, your nay be nay, with much prayer, this kind cometh out as Jesus said, by much prayer, with much prayer and fasting, faith to move mountains, faith as a grain of mustard seed, you have to have the courage to trust God. You have to have the faith dimension, or in your seeking, (laughs) you will find yourself lacking in wisdom. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the twelve tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting... My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then verse 5, that's verses 1 through 4. Then verse 5, And if, or if, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Faith is important in this sense. Not only is it something that then will certainly test your patience, but you have to sometimes wait until and with courage and with some element of will, determination, and with this putting God and His Word first and foremost in your life, as with then trusting that that becomes life-giving, living Word, as (laughs) with if you continually either acknowledge, as in seeking wisdom, God's Word needs to be predominant in your life, so that it might be preeminent, your decision making and then you can rightly line or align the material with the spiritual, your flesh and your ability to understand and comprehend has to go through the lens of the word if you're going to manifest living word but even then it will take some time and what is then the great temptation when you don't think it's going to happen, when you're starting to have doubts, when you want to take maybe a a shortcut, when you don't like what God's told you to do, when you don't want to then be obedient to the word, the devil will have a lot of opportunity in all of those things, those factors, which is really you. He he sifts you. The word's already been sifted. Jesus has already established the word by doing the word as with obedience. We just have to keep doing it to establish it once and for all in us. So we are, again, not at enmity. We accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We acknowledge that it's been validated, established. Word has become living word in Christ. And it has salvation or life attached to it. It's the yay. But if we don't abide in it, it becomes the nay. Or if we're going to abide in it and we still need to understand the nay, the nay comes back to saying no. (laughs) No to the temptation. And once more, the temptation is to not want to die. To not want to do those things that God tells us to do in the right order. Because there is value in preservation of material life, undoubtedly. Undeniably. But there's greater value (laughs) in not letting that motive keep you out of heaven. Eternal life. Or if it's only going to be measured first and foremost by that, you'll never see the eternal dimension. You'll never have the patience to wait. You'll be impulsive. You want to do it quickly. You want to do it in that manner or that way that otherwise... Gets it done faster with the lesser of consequence, negative consequence. But that really undoes all the work, I think, of not only sanctification. Building virtue and character. But in the end, you've got to overcome the very thing that you're trying to then avoid along the way. But you have to do it the right way, lest you get to the end then you don't have the faith... You don't have the courage. You have not established the foundation to face the ultimate. Which is, then you're going to give up your life. (laughs) That's only your material life. And there will be a new body, a resurrected body one day. But it's just that scary part of having trust in God. Believing his word that he will deliver you in that measure, in that way. And along the way, what you do with the choices, it's got to be out of the the right well. Uh, Bitter and sweet, as much as the uh, book of James captures that. And works if you're speaking and you're talking is not out of the yay or if there is a nay, it's the denying of yourself to the end of trusting that God's word not only should have preeminence or be predominant in your filter, your lens for your decision making, his wisdom will proceed once you're able to stop your mind, your own will from exalting itself above his so that you can get to the part where you get to see the good result. You don't have to worry about doing it out of yourself. What you have to do is worry about not trusting God to do it out of you, but he has already planned it in such a way that he already knows, you already see in Jesus, what the work is. You could do these difficult things. You can overcome the temptation to quit along the way. You can let your decisions in life be based on, upon the paradigm of courage rather than fear. Of trusting in God rather than distrusting God. Of going ahead and doing hard and difficult things. Things that seem to represent death. That seem to scare you. You can do those things. But you need the word to allow the wisdom to proceed forth. We need to share the word. Certainly. So that we might encourage not only ourselves as we speak it. It's all psychological stuff, by the way. We're saying it to maybe ourselves. I do some self-talk. We're saying it to others, but we need to believe. Thus, that increases our belief because the word is anointed What with this power of the Holy Spirit. To bring forth resurrection life even as Jesus showed us that it would happen even should we then do what God wills us to do even unto the giving of our life for our life for others so that we might inherit the kingdom not only materially but eternally and spiritually. So the great divide or schism is repaired. There's no fracture. There's no division. There's no separation. There's no heaven or hell. There's only heaven when you allow the Holy Spirit to do his work as with Jesus. To do his work as with God and his promise to perform the work of saving you. Now there is a heaven and hell, but when you allow yourself, you give permission to God to do all of this, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you don't have to worry about that. It may seem like it's going to be hell, but it's not. Why? Because God is going to be with you as you go through that that's a promise of God it's all through the Bible it is the Bible it is the promise book of God unto eternal life you just have to understand for the sake of your flesh how he does that but if you go around saying all the good things but you don't go around living (laughs) then it's questionable whether or not you really have the integrity Father, Son, Holy Ghost (laughs) and he's alive in you That you're allowing the Holy Spirit through the bringing your mind into submission. Your will into alignment with God's will first preeminent. You're making the yay be, what do you say about this God? You're seeking that wisdom through, again, word, but also in spiritual relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. You're listening to his voice, which only proceeds after the earthquake, wind, and fire, after you have, in that, denied yourself, unlike Balaam, denied yourself the profiteering, the personal gain, the selfish dimension put in right measure God provides all the material needs. He doesn't want you to suffer materially. That's also a lie of the devil. It shouldn't be to the extreme. If he blesses you, don't be upset about that. Just understand if it comes a time or if there should come a time, which there will when that time comes, to share that with others because others might need it. Just don't be selfish. And don't take what God has given you to share with others and hold on to it. That's called hoarding. And you don't want to be a hoarder. It doesn't help any. It may seem like it does, but the issue is a psychological one. You're afraid. You're afraid you're going to be without. You're afraid that God's promises aren't true in a material psychological dimension. Self, identity, psychological identity, self. But at the same time, it is also an eternal struggle because holding on to all of that stuff, accumulating all that stuff, not only gets in the way of the way that the material world has to work, <laughs> because that's really how it works in material dimension, that's how... Energy is neither created nor destroyed, just changes shape and form. That's how it happens materially. You cannot live eternally in material regard, or you won't ever then see heaven in spiritual measure. It's just not only why you're here in material flesh, but in the promise of the hereafter. But there will be a resurrected body, which may get back to the material. I don't know. I think it probably does. But that's how it works. It's just the way that God created it to work in material dimension. But in spiritual dimension, you never die. Isn't that a better option? Why are you holding on to these things, preserving your material life, when really transfiguration transformation sanctification change giving to life as you've received is part of the blessing of others with life in that same way jesus gave his life we're called to give ours in jesus christ in the power resurrection power jesus christ in the holy spirit with faith unto what certainly patience. (laughs) But outcome works. If you're not bearing fruit, you're hoarding. and It won't work. It doesn't take care of any of those material sort of psychological needs. The only thing that does that is faith. But what is faith? Faith is trust in God. Courage comes from encouragement. But who's the first we love because he first loved us? God encourages us with his word. But if you don't apply it, you're not going to bear fruit. And if you don't bear fruit, you're lacking integrity. And if you're lacking integrity, you're just a hypocrite. James 3. Verse 7. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth, preceding blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh <laughs> Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. James is just trying to capture the premise of the yea and the nay. The central element being, (laughs) elementally being, you have to know God's mind as with word, speak his word, and in that trust him in faith. To allow that, your act of that, and the anointing of the word to bring forth fruit in your life. Why? Because the word comes from the Holy Spirit who is already alive within you. But you're denying him to the point of not only your own (laughs) grieving, grievous sort of state that results. But you don't want to steal that from others encouragement is our responsibility. God gave us the word. We're supposed to share it. What is the word? It's not my word. Now that doesn't mean you can't tell people my business, my what I do vocationally as a profession. It's to help encourage people. We all need encouragement, and we all need on at times and occasions to confess our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, not to me in that sort of Christian counseling dimension. I'm not your judge. But if you say it to me, I'm not going to be discouraged by it, but I can help sanctify (laughs) that thought that's attached to the word. Words are just outward representations of what you're thinking. (laughs) That's why we do talk therapy, I can't get in your head if you don't allow me into your head and if you can't communicate what you're thinking, it's really difficult to then use word in an aesthetic sort of way to change those thoughts, to restructure those based on not your paradigm of what should or shouldn't be, but God's paradigm. That's the sanctification but that is also not only that is not only the mind of god but that is also then the mind of christ my <laughs> job my desire is to take the word apply it to your thoughts help you to find some sort of standard in a material dimension when you've gotten way out in the weeds, when all this has become incredibly confusing, when the nuances, the details have overwhelmed you, when when you've lost sight of the basic yays and nays. Uh, We start there. (laughs) The Old Testament paradoxically counterintuitively it doesn't begin with a yay because our nature is not to say yes our nature is say nay kids are incredibly selfish but that's okay they're just kids until their brain develops where they then in this operational sort of way we're doing it on the podcast today I'm speaking to it on the podcast today all of this stuff of the podcast is going on in your head But kids don't even have the brain structure or power to do this. That's why parents have to say yes and no. But the first thing you teach a child is no. (laughs) Why? Because everything else is yes. Oh, I want to feel good. I want to do this. I want to do that. They don't understand the consequences of that. They don't have the ability to seek the wisdom of God. They probably, in their innocence are more than many adults, are covered by the love of God because they are innocent. We enjoy that. God enjoys that. Jesus said, Suffer not the little children to come unto me. And in their innocence, should anybody steal that, it'd be better a millstone be tied around their neck and thrown into the sea. It's terrible to steal that. But growing up, having the brain fully developed, you're left with all these choices. But then, that law of liberty, looking into the face of the law of liberty, that's what James is talking about. My brethren, be not masters, knowing that we re- shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire of the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And then I read verse 7. But you can't be double-minded. You can't expect sweet to come out of the same as bitter. And though bitter is there, it needs to be somehow cleaned. Or you, it's no good for drinking, <laughs> nourishing the body, but it's also no good for, in that same way, water and spirit. It's no good for nourishing the spiritual. You'll just dry up. It's the, the, the allegory or the analogy might go. The metaphor. You'll just dry up. And with that, you won't be able to do any of the things that God has called you to do. There is a law of liberty. There is then, in law of liberty, the recognition of faith, but also not only the recognition of faith as with courage, but that the choice is in liberty yours. You have to choose to do the right thing. Because if you do not, then what you end up doing is you end up breaking the law. But the right thing is as small as the rudder is on the ship or the bridle is in the horse's mouth. Just make the first decision to filter it all through the Word of God so that you are constantly not only encouraged by the Word, but in that as you then go about sharing with others more liberally, generally, giving it away, even as God doesn't withhold wisdom, you're sharing with others. If you have moments of doubt or disbelief, you might want to contain those a bit so that what happens is, in the end, somebody like me or a close confidant, somebody who really understands you, is going to be able to, and hopefully in that moment, themselves, you understand them. You have that relationship. You have that uh, communion with them because they are two believers. You, they'll be able to encourage you and lift you up. You'll do it for them if, if and when and when and if they need it. But really, the great ministry is to the lost. We need to maintain our own members <laughs> each other, as well as our bodies. And we do that through fellowship of the brethren. We do that through encouraging one another. But the liberty is really coming down to just a simple choice. That's why accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is salvation. Allowing him to save you because it's the same thing. It just needed to be, he needed to show Jesus. God chose to show a material example so that you might then see the work in a short enough order so that your your faith that worketh patience as the temptations come along, as you then would seek the wisdom of God through the word of God, as you would end releasing the Holy Spirit to do what... He wants to do, God has given him to you to do in Jesus Christ. He can sanctify and save you, but it comes back to that same premise accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you do that, it's like accepting the Word of God, but it begins with a no to yourself. The Old Testament is the no, it counterintuitively starts with a no because our natures are selfish. Children again are selfish. But we have to stop that at some level in order to get to the yes. Or we at least have to have an instrument or tool in the flesh besides in our own head because in our own head we can do all that Balaam stuff. We can do all that distorting. We can do all that conning of ourselves. We can lie to ourselves. That gives place to the devil. But when you include another person, when you make that person Jesus, and should I, I know I'm not, be involved in that, should you go and confess that to a brother or sister in Christ, it's a little harder because it's out there The integrity is easier to be established in that it's harder, more difficult for you to lie to yourself. It's more difficult when you then, in accountability such as that, to lie to others. That won't save you. Somebody else can't save you, but it can hold you accountable in a way that allows you to realize or see so the devil can't, in his cunning devious sort of way steal that from you. Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called. I'm going to go to the previous verse. But you have despised the poor. James 2 verse 6. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme they're not persons of integrity. That worthy name by the which ye are called, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin are convinced and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, He is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, and they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath shewed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth rejoiceth against judgment." Being alone. The law of liberty (laughs) goes right along with the royal law. But what is it? Again, essentially, elementally, making the choice of Jesus. Reminding yourself, (laughs) being reminded in the Word, Old Testament included. I know now why I had to die to myself because otherwise in my selfishness none of this would come to good effect. Others can't make me. Others can't judge me. and certainly the rich which I think in this context James is pointing out they lack integrity. They're really as with the devil maybe of their father the devil. It's all about material gain. It's all about hoarding. It's all about lying, stealing and cheating. It may be with these beautiful words, but when it really comes down to putting money (laughs) where their mouth is, they're not good at that. They will always blame you. They will always steal from you. They will always demand reparation from you, conformity to their will from you. But they're not willing to abide by it. They're Pharisees, as with biblical context, as with those that Jesus encountered. Uh, They're Sadducees and Pharisees they're hypocrites. We have no place with them. And that's mammon and that's the way most of the world works because they've come to a conclusion. It's all about life and the material. They have no either desire or if they have a conceptualization of an eternal, they have no desire to delay the gratification. It's instant gratification. Gratification. They want it, they want it now, and it doesn't matter who they get it from. If they can't, even should they try to do it in some sort of Old Testament dimension, in the end, if they don't get it when they want it, they're going to take it from somebody. Now, Jesus gave it. That's what we're asking you to do. I'm asking you to do. The Word's asking you to do. We. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, Jesus, God. I'd like to be, again, a yes man to God. aligned with that. But that isn't easy. But it isn't any more difficult than making that initial decision. Because if you do it that way and you understand that hell for the believer is when you choose to go back to the way of the world. Hell for those that have no choice yet in Jesus to do it the way that we're suggesting on the podcast today. They're not only in hell, They're going to remain in hell because they've not learned the primary lesson because they've not been able to get out of childish psychological sort of operations of selfishness. But when the day comes for them to give their life, ultimately they should have been over their life. It had been much easier on them. It would not have been such a difficult maneuver. But if you hold on, hold on, hold on, why do you think when the day comes to give your life to God as would be righteousness in material dimension, the way of the natural world, things die so that new things can be born again, that you would not do that? So easily. Why would you think you would be able to do that? I'm going to finish with James chapter 3. And are you glad? Because even so, as I got to that point where we were talking about the fountain. I'm going to go to 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge? James 3.13. Among you, let him show out a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth... This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace Of them that make peace. The whole book of James is to encourage you to understand how to make the most basic of all decisions in life, for life, to life, and that is to realize. You won't get out of the material life with soul intact. Except that you would do it in that way that the word of God, Old Testament, and the living word of God, the New Testament, tells you to. Now, shows you examples. Jesus, literal, tangible example, holds you accountable to encourages you builds up your faith though you face the temptation the temptation is only as much you would not then immediately hold on to the paradigm, the mind of God but if you're well-versed in the mind of God, would it not then make, even as I tried to point out, if you don't do this your whole life, though there are deathbed conversions, it's pretty difficult to get out of all that threat, fight or flight, emotional fear, and anger reaction at the end of your life, that now that you're seeing this is all that has come down to, it's kind of hard to find the right attitude, the right motive to accept you were wrong and confess it and say I was wrong, I am so sorry, be the thief on the cross (laughs) it says I am sorry you're the the son of God, not the other one, (laughs) the one that's going to be in heaven with Jesus this day as if even in that moment he already entered in But that's what I try to do with the Christian counseling. Is I try to frame it, it doesn't mean that the decisions, we won't chew on it for a while. It doesn't mean that it may not take sometimes more, sometimes less encouragement. But in the end, it's always going to be God's will if you listen to him. And you know when it's coming from you. James is just trying to show us. You have a choice. It's the law of liberty. It's functional. <laughs> but apply the royal law. It's not all about you. It is about you. It is about life in the material. But even then, it's about how we encourage one another, care for one another, love one another while we're in this life so that we can cooperate with the material aspects of it. The, the royal law is applied to in Old Testament. The dying of self, it happens. It's going to happen. You can't stop dying from happening in a material flesh way. You can just be a yay man, yes man, or person, and say, yes God, I'm going to do it Jesus the way Jesus did it. I'm going to do it as Jesus exampled it, but Jesus based it on the word. But only when you do that can it become living word and do it now rather than later. So you can help others to understand and know that and then comfort them even as the paraclete is given or was given, has been given for this purpose of comforting us. Leading and guiding us, which we spoke mostly of in today's podcast, of on today's podcast. But he also comforts us. It's love. It's the love of God. You don't experience that until you start realizing God doesn't want to kill you. He wants to save you. But this is the only way to save you with your human soul remaining intact intact, until the day that you are entirely then freed from the human soul as it becomes one totally with Jesus Christ. Once you accept Jesus, he comes into your heart and it becomes one with him in that way. But one day, folks, the good news is you won't even have to take that human aspect of your psychology and your emotion, your spiritual operation, your cognitive operations, all of those things, part of the material bodily form, it won't go to heaven. What you'll see and experience in heaven... And even as in a resurrected body will be Jesus Christ now manifest in once again resurrected body form. But now we will join in with him in that way. But that's why there's no tears in heaven. You won't have any of the things that create tears in earth. In earth and on earth and in material dimension and within that context of really the struggle that represents the temptation, the tribulation. When you come see me for Christian counseling, that's what I want to do. I want to free you from that, at least enough to be able to understand how to bring your thoughts into proper alignment and how you can serve God by being as Christ-like as possible. All your problems will disappear in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit not only as leading, guiding, but comforting us. And should I, as a Christian counselor, allow that to happen, then I'm going to be able to do that. But if you allow that to happen, serve in that way, to lead, guide, to comfort, we can do that one into another, and then you wouldn't need me, right? But until that happens, and should you have a moment, or should I be the best option, I'm not discouraging you from taking advantage of the offering. And in that same sort of way, what is the offering? Well, certainly you can come in. You can call us, 304-528-9220. You can also kind of check us out. Visit us online at covenantsonline.com. You can catch us on Facebook at Covenants. You can also email us, covenantsllc1 at yahoo.com. But you can come back to the podcast. <laughs> I do this weekly. Weekly. Uh, and should you want to come back and join us again, make sure you've got the name of the podcast so you'll know how to find this on all of those platforms that offers you podcasts. You're listening to Covenants. What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. And, as I am always desiring to say, with all genuineness and sincerity, I do want you to be blessed, blessed with the word, have a blessed life. And until we get a chance to meet again, God bless you.